You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with a narrator, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby Gabby. And we're here kicking it in. Uh, we're back after that uh, week. Well, a couple of weeks long with the uh, Golden State Killer. We have finished that chapter. Now we're going on to a new chapter, and we're going to start off fresh. But before we get started on the show, let's let you guys know where you can find us. Look us up on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Facebook, Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crime Podcast, and you will find some of our old materials. And follow us, subscribe to us, and just pay attention to our show. With that being said, this show is going to be a pretty interesting one. Uh, Todd told me about it earlier, uh, and he's going to break it down. Might might have heard about this player, this person. Oh, actually, uh, this one, this one's a different one. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I take that back. <laughs> we're switching it up. That's my now fault. That's really... my fault. <laughs> oh, we're switching it up. Okay, so now I'm really surprised. <laughs> so let me let me shut up and let Todd take it away. Todd, what we got today? All right. Well, next week is that story, or, or, or oh, down, okay. <laughs> down the line, whatever we choose to do after that. My my fault. I I, I explained it wrong. But, oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I jumped the gun. But no, nah, go ahead. Not, not surprise the audience. It's my bad. I didn't communicate like my wife always says. So don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one's called Sleepy Town Terror. Um, it it came. Uh, it's in South Carolina, and uh, it's in the town of Gaffney. South Carolina is a small town nestled about a hundred miles south of Charlotte, North Carolina. It's on okay. the, yeah, it's on the most northern tip of South Car- South Carolina, <clears throat> which with an estimated population of twelve thousand one hundred and fifty. So it was half that in nineteen sixty seven or less, and that's where our story takes place. Or what time? So it's a real small town there. Very small town, yeah. Alright. So <clears throat> um Gaffney at this time was very segregated, and tensions between whites and blacks were always at a boiling point. The town was literally split in half, blacks living on one side of the town and whites on the other. So, at the very same time, civil rights movements were moving in a, in a very positive uh, way, and it seemed like most of the nation was either being forced to, or they were falling in line with desegregation. So, the okay. back- yeah, so the battle to integrate schools was happening at a, uh, the very day all the hell broke loose. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, the KKK and the, self, and the civil rights leaders had been clashing pr- prior to this. The morning of the first news of the incident at the Gaffney High School, young black teens were in a long, long line on a hot, humid day waiting to register for the upcoming school year. It was clear um, in the hot sun that there was two lines, but the whites line was moving a lot faster, even though they were supposed to see the same um, counselor and whatnot. uh, They were um, one line was obviously moving faster. So some of the young teams had teens had noticed a local reporter named Bill Gibbons, who we'll talk a lot about in this story. he was very cordial to the black students because of his writings on civil rights. And even though he was a white man, he was very unbiased in that area. 
Uh, the black teens figured okay. he was going to write a story about them since it was a historic upcoming school year. However, he had he had a story to tell, not to not to write. In the same building downtown where the kids were registering was the city hall. The police station was also inside. He went straight to the sheriff's office. So, what do you think? <clears throat> what do you think he had a story to talk about? Ooh. Ah, I'm fried right now. I I, I don't know. The, I don't know. The heat. You, Gabby? Maybe he's going to complain about somebody, maybe the African-Americans. Well, he was, he was unbiased at the time, but um, good guesses. It, I didn't give you enough to go on anyway. That's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so him and the sheriff were close friends, right? He walks okay. in, and he shows the sheriff's three pieces of paper, each with a okay. woman's name on them <clears throat> and the road to find them. <clears throat> Bill, yeah, Bill the... Bill tells the sheriff that he got a phone call from a man that he did not recognize, urging him to write down what he had said and and take it to the sheriff. The okay. Sh- the sheriff said, you get um, a lot of prank calls because of what you write about, and people are angry about your pro-black um, issues. Couldn't, okay. Couldn't this be a prank? And Bill replied, something in his voice was very convincing, and he felt... He was he he the caller was telling the truth and it was worth at least a look or to check it out. Yeah. So on two of the notes it said you can find one in the brush and the other one in the stream. So Ooh. yeah. So the sheriff and deputy and Bill headed out in a cruiser onto the bridge to go um, in the Ford. Uh, they raced down or they went in the Ford to race down the directions and try to find the area because they felt, you know, check out one of the potential crime scenes or if, or if it's a prank. Um, the sheriff didn't think he would find anything. He thought it was all hot air and another prank call. Stuff mm-hmm. like stuff like that doesn't happen in his county, he said. Yeah. So, however, they looked over the bridge and saw a naked body with a hair covering the face and a clear strangulation around her neck. Oh. Yeah. She had been dead no more than a day before Bill Gibbons got that call, which was the reporter. Her name was Nancy Carroll Parrish, the same name given by the caller. Nancy was only 20 years old and married to Monroe Parrish, newlyweds for two years. Oh, man. Is the caller the murderer? Yes. Wow. So, and this, and, and this is um, crazy because this is before the Zodiac this is probably <clears throat> it may have been the first um killer to call you know and taunt police or the newspaper yeah, yeah it might have been the I, first case ever how did the sheriff feel now <laughs> <laughs> well the sheriff was frustrated because <laughs> why would the killer call the media and not law enforcement um he he told bill that that uh, he was praying it was a hoax but if he found this body he was fearing they would find the others described. The other described body to be found was supposed to be a hundred yards off a chain gang road, which was a little dirt road off the town square, a quiet, a, a quiet type of road with just like shrubs and maybe a lake and little, uh, you know, bushes and whatnot in, on the side of the street or side of the road. Not much out there. 
they drove out to that area and the second body was supposed to be Nancy Christine Reinhardt, who was only 14 years old mm. and would be buried in bushes, the note said. By this time, police were still on the scene of the first body and sheriff called in police agencies from six different cities in the county to assist in the search and spread the investigation because the police force was only eight men in the town of Gaffney and they couldn't handle something like this. Yeah. So as more police and deputies start to <clears throat> search the area, it's not too long before one of the policemen find the nude strangled body of Nancy Reinhold. She had been dead a week or more and the police were shocked and very angry at this point. So They were both Nancy? Yes, both named Nancy. It sounds like a pattern. <laughs> well, the pattern is like the same way to not only their first names, but the fact that they were tied up the same way and strangled the same way and both found naked. So, hey. yeah. Were these white women? These were white women, yes. So... Her mother had been reported, and good question, by the way. I failed to mention that as well. Um, her mother had been reported her missing a week earlier, but the sheriff figured she was a runaway. See? Early early cops. It's like yep. teenager runs, you know, teenager's gone for a day or two. Ah, it's a runaway. We'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> he went to the store. Yeah, yeah. she's, she's out with a boyfriend. Store. You know, she'll be back. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, that's so frustrating because so the many 60s. yeah so many kids could have been found in the 60s and 70s if they would have just said hey you know what let's let's do this thing called investigating <laughs> isn't, those, isn't that under our job description I don't know man <laughs> <laughs> let's go smoke another cigarette let's go, let's go get a donut <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh man so Jesus. yeah so because of their incompetence the the even a week later, the cops didn't even think it was a real runaway. Um, she had a vibrant attitude, her mom said. She would never run away, but they never followed up. Wow. <clears throat> so, now the third body. Not much info was given about who, but just the whereabouts of Old Jerusalem Road in Union County, which is the next county over. When they talked to the sheriff over in Union County, because there was no description... He said that there had been a body that was found six months prior of a Miss Annie Lucille Deadmond, who had also been nude, raped, and strangled. <clears throat> Her husband had been just convicted of the murder three months prior and was given 25 years. She too was white. Dang. Yeah, so, so was released after this? Well, not at that mo particular moment. They still had to investigate, so the poor guy was still in prison. Wow, okay. that's, that's yeah. sad. Yeah, exactly. So he already went through the trial, and, and, and usually, you know, trials take a year or two here to get started. Man, they had, yeah. him, they had him rung up and in jail in three months. Three months? Three months. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. I bet there was absolutely no evidence at that point. None whatsoever. Someone. <laughs> Yeah, the cops are like, well, let's let's get the closest person to her. Well, she's married. Guilty. Guilty. Get him, Johnson. <laughs> I know, right? Wow. See, and that's and that's a white man they convicted in three months. Mad that's what I'm saying. I'm like, you sure he wasn't black? Mad uh, imagine if he was a black guy? Dude! <laughs> the 
a trial, get him. <laughs> They're all straight to execution. Straight to execution. No Jerry, he's no guilty. Jerry. Yeah. We don't have no DNA, so what? Doesn't matter. Make it. We make it. Yeah. Sprinkle some crack on him, Johnson. Sprinkle some crack on him. <laughs> oh, that's so Dang. terrible. Yeah. Man, the 60s and the 70s, like you said, were horrible. I would not want to go missing in the 60s. Oh, there's, a, there's a lot of lawlessness, I'm telling you. Man. Man. So, um, upon the new evidence, though, <clears throat> um, he would be released eventually. So, to answer Gabby's question, he would be released eventually, but they had to follow up on what happened in the next, you know, few days, few weeks. So, so at the time, he's, he's still in jail. Had to pay him some money. Oh, back then, they didn't compensate you. They Back then, they just said, here's, yeah, they just said, sign a paper, my bad, and move on. Yep. Slap on the wrist. Sorry. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he got no retribution for that. Um, so now they link the three to the caller because the, the caller had the best evidence. He placed the bodies and everything. Police, yeah. police were on edge, and they knew now a serial killer was on the loose. But the biggest question was, is there more bodies or will there be more bodies? Those were the two questions. The entire community showed up for the 14-year-old at the funeral. Everyone was at a loss and disgusted. Now, a small community and adjacent communities were all on edge and scared, and they, they, they decided, you know what, we need to pull out the big guns. We don't have the police force to tackle this, even with the help from the other agencies. So they called in basically the FBI of South Carolina, which is a South, Carol, South Carolina Bureau of Investigation. So... All right. They put down the donuts and the cigarettes and actually went to work. All right. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> Finally, yeah. It only took three people dying to, to do that, but okay. <laughs> um, state police thought as they interviewed the families, it was someone that they knew. Uh, or maybe, and, and see, this is a problem. They got to work, but then they were trying to end, like break it up and not think it was a serial killer. So they were thinking, okay, maybe it's someone in each one of those people's lives that just happened to be three murders. So they, they were trying to break it down as not being a serial killer. They were trying to think it's three different killers, which made no sense. So they sense. thought it was three separated crimes? Yes. Yes. Okay, but you, how do you get that when you have one caller give you the details for three? <laughs> 1967, that's all I could say. Uh, hey, that's all you got to say, Todd. Say no more. <laughs> I mean, to me, to us, I mean, it all makes sense. Like, right away, serial killer, same note. Um, three different women killed the same way, raped the same way. We got the same dude. Nope. They're like, let's let's see who they interview. Who do you think they interviewed first? The parents. Oh, I'm sorry for for Nancy for Nancy Paris. Who do you think they they? Uh, that's the first one. That's, that's the first. Girl, yes, right? the married one. Yeah. Her husband. Yep. They they hounded him until basically neighbors came and plus his uh, coworkers came to his defense, saying he was not there at the moment she was either kidnapped or she was she left the house because wow. he even admitted that day they had an argument where she took the dog uh juniper and went down the street because and the neighbors saw her leave the house because they had you know those couples quarrels for whatever reason and she yeah. went for a walk and left him at the house so the neighbor collaborated the story a co-worker that came by cooperated co the story and the police were still looking at him with a cockeyed, like, maybe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
they just they they tried going through the families and whatnot couldn't find an individual that would actually stand out the only thing they had in common at the time was that the three had went for walks or all three had left but were murdered all the same way tips came in but were pushed aside so then two days after the last victim was found police get a tip from a man who said he saw someone throw a body off the road and take off in a black sedan police asked the caller to come in when he did and told his story they asked why didn't he why did he wait so long to say anything and Mm -hmm. what was he doing in the in that particular area area at the time so what do you think why do you think the guy did not stick up let's see if you guys can get this one this one's kind of a tough one Uh, because it was his brother. No. I think, um, the only thing that makes sense to me is that if he was in that area and he saw it, he was doing something wrong there. Maybe either he was having an affair or because he thought they were going to blame him. Bingo! You nailed it. You you nailed it. (laughs) Awesome. See, Gabby's got her detective hat on. I love it. You know what? (laughs) Oh, y'all. <laughs> I like the brother one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he would have came clean with that one. But this one, the man said it was because he is a married man and he was messing around with another woman parked off on the other side of the road. <laughs> wow. She nailed it. And, uh, Get him, Johnson. Yep. And then his conscience got to him later on and he had to speak up. So even at that time, he was like, please don't tell the wife. Please don't tell the wife. So, maybe, (laughs) no, but he uh, he put uh, he described the man as a tall, uh, tall white man, slender, nice hair, um, and nice hair, yeah, nice hair for whatever reason. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So tensions were high already with racial integration. Now add murder and gossip between groups, and especially days after about Bill Gibbons, the reporter. All of a sudden, with tips coming in. Could he be making up his own news? People. I'm not gonna lie, mm-hmm. not to cut you off, Todd, but mm-hmm. when before the description came in, I thought it was a black guy. Mm-hmm. Earlier, before the women were described, I thought they were gonna be all black women, and a white guy killed them. But then when you said that they were white women, I thought it was the black guy that killed them because of the racial tension that you were saying that was building up. But I was wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> there is going to be some racial stuff that happens, but it's a twist. So that's, I think I have an idea. That's coming along right now. All right. <laughs> so yeah. See. So, um, so see, you're following. Good. All right. All so, right. All right. All right. All right. I, I see you. I see you. <laughs> it's, it's in there. Yeah. <laughs> you're all. It's in my report, Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> So people started to doubt the reporter and the rumor mill started with him in the neighborhoods at being involved and state police wanted to put a tracer on his business phone. Now cops, cops were openly doubting him, the locals. Days went on with no call. Then Gibbons gets a phone call at his home. He rushes in again to tell the sheriffs what had happened. The cops said, why all of a sudden you're getting a call at your home? Cause he originally got the home and, or got the call at his, uh, at the newspaper and um, the cops got even more skeptical like oh man you know he's making this up you put a tracer on the phone all of a sudden the phones they stop calling there and they call him at his private house <clears throat> so they start interrogating him on the spot for three hours at his home feeling frustrated 
Bill Gibbons is just about ready to give up because the cops want to take him downtown. And at that uh-huh. at that very moment, the police hear the phone ring. And he goes to grab his phone, and it's the same guy. And so he motions to a detective to grab the other phone and listen in. And the guy is talking. And the guy is talking to him about a murder, and about how he how he did it. So Gibbons tries to keep him on the phone, but the caller winds up hanging up. But before he did, he the caller said he's um, he's a little bit psycho and needs help, but the cops will never get him because he has an alter ego. And Ooh. yeah, he said he's innocent by day, a monster at night. Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde. Pretty much. So the police then apologized to Gibbons when they heard the phone call and said, let's work together to get this guy. They posted police officers around the clock at Gibbons' house just in case to protect his family. The very next day, the killer decided to strike again. But here's here's the twist. Without a phone call to Gibbons, he went on the black side of town, which is, you know, the other side of uh, Gaffney. Uh-huh. And this young girl named Opal and her sisters were walking a half mile pathway from their area wait, wait, wait. from their house. Wait, what's her name? Opal. Opal. Whoa. O p a l. Opal. Opal. Yep. Is that a black girl? It's of a black course. girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a white girl named Opal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> so she's walking with her two sisters, who are older, seventeen and eighteen. They're walking their high school. She's a junior high kid. She gets ahead of them about maybe 20, 30 yards up walking up this lonely road. It's almost to the bus stop. When all of a sudden, when they, when they go around the corner, they hear a scream and they see a white man as they run up there, putting their sister into the trunk of a black sedan. What? Yep. And they could, as they tried to run to the car, it was too late. All they saw was her books and the car sped off. So people were called out and interviewed the kids and the and the parents of Opal. Something unexpected happened in the town, however. Lawmakers and state police held a press conference in downtown Gaffney, with the entire town and surrounding towns also showing up as well. Where for the first time in that in anyone's memory, that whites and blacks stood next to each other as the mayor urged all to unite to find Opal. They felt she was still alive being held against her will, and it was urgent for all citizens to get out and search. So whites Dang. Yeah, so whites and blacks after the news conference ended up with well uh, and they had no problems uh getting in their cars. Together. I'll say again. Now they're working together. Yes. First some kind of cloud came over them and they said, you know what? It's for the betterment of the community and they all work together. They said, let's do this for Opal. Pretty much. So, for the first time, you had whites and blacks riding in the same car sometimes with shotguns going down the streets and back roads and even into fields looking for Opal. Now, let me, let me, let me ask a question, Todd. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you. You're white, I'm black. If you lived in that narrow... Wait. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the audience might not know. But... <laughs> If, I'm gonna be honest. If, if you lived in that era, knowing with the segregation going on, and you're in the car with oh, a black guy, I'm in the car with a white guy. Would you have your left eye open, uh, or uh, your right eye open, to, looking at them to make sure everything's okay? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd probably. This is your first time actually being with them. I'd have to say yes. White or black, I, I would. I would have to say yes too. I would have Honestly. my. I would ask him like three or four times before we got going. We're we're on the same page, right? We're going after <laughs> Opal, right? <laughs> Like, we, we good, right? We good, everything okay? We cool? Cause you gotta, like, yes, but if you keep asking, we're not going to yeah, be. Yeah, you holding a shotgun, and, and we in a car together. I don't want to be missing, too. Yeah, Yeah, because I'd be like, yo, my grandparents didn't mean all that stuff to your grandparents. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I had no part of that. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I'll be like, yes, master. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. This guy. People are going to hate you for that. Oh, it's all jokes. Come on, man. <laughs> So, uh, all of Gaffney was working together, and they were looking for that black sedan. Two men, uh-huh. two men, white men who were on the on the lookout, spot the black uh, sedan leaving the woods. They followed the car, and as they wrote down the license plate, no phones back then. You know, you're in the country. Dang, that's true. The car sped up. They turned into a driveway. Thought about it for a second. They're like, you know what? We need to follow that car. What if she's still in the car? So they mm-hmm. followed the car. And they chased it. The car sped up. They still chased it. The two gentlemen drove uh, into a driveway where the car pulled in and sat there for a second, but then sped off to get to the police station. One of them should have stayed there, but they decided. I agree. But they decided they didn't have a gun, so they okay. raced to the police station. All of a sudden, eight to ten cops came in their cars, but by the time they got to the house, pulled out their guns, and you know knocked on the door, it was a, an old woman. So th- there was no man that pulled in there. He basically just tricked them, pulled in the driveway, and then pulled out when they left. I was thinking that. Yep. So wow. the next best thing was the police asked the guys where where did he where did they see him before he left that area, and it was his part in the woods, very thick brush, and uh, they decided to go back there with a search party. So <clears throat> basically, they went over there. And they decided to 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 look for uh, to look in the brush, but they couldn't find her in that area. Mm-hmm. And um, when they were running the license plate, it came back to um, what's it called? Um, the tags came back as Leroy Martin, who was con- Leroy Martin. Yeah, Leroy Martin. It was, it was a white guy. Okay. All right. Isn't Leroy a black man? It is. That's kind of confusing. In the South, it's not apparently. But um, he was he was convicted ten years prior in 1957 for assaulting a 13 year old. But since Ooh. since then he had worked at the mill, got married, and has two small kids. Cops began to stake out his house because they don't it's probable cause they don't have any body they don't have any, you know, evidence on him. It's all circumstantial. Mm-hmm. And there's no like you know, search warrants back then or the, they had nothing to stand on basically. So the police were hoping by staying out there they can catch him mess up and maybe give a give a clue for where Opal is at. Uh-huh. And they were praying that she was still alive, but on one night of the uh, of the actual stakeout, they saw him starting to clean the back of his car. And they were getting pretty pissed off because they figured maybe he's cleaning off some blood DNA. Yeah, and getting rid of evidence. But they have they were powerless to do anything back then. Wow, like in their faces. Pretty much. They had to watch him clean it. So as they were following him, it had been five days. The men and others in the city and credit the schools, the local schools, the school was supposed to open. 
and the high school football team, both black and white teams, and different other um, neighborhoods were still looking for for uh, Miss Opal. And then finally, when they were in the fields, uh, a couple of the football players that were together called out and said they found her. The police came out there, and as a group, along with a priest who happened to be looking out there too, they all had a prayer vigil, and there was a picture taken of the whites and blacks praying and crying over the body of uh, poor Opal that was found. Uh, yeah. So they were too late. Mm-hmm. They were too late. So they could have saved her that day. Why did they leave from the car? Yeah. Or they don't. They don't know if she was alive then or not. So I mean, it's like it, it haunted a lot of these people afterwards. Um. They went straight to his job after they found her body and arrested him on the spot. Um, in the car ride, though, and, or, or when they picked him up, uh, a co-worker, uh, a white woman, said that he had offered her a ride just two nights prior. And she turned him down, and he was kind of a little upset that she wanted to walk instead of take a ride. And he, she found that very weird, him being a married mm. man. So that was that. But... um it's weird too because there was some good psychological games being played um, by the police officer and or the detective and the police officer that were in the car. So mm -hmm. after they picked him up and detained him in the car ride, Detective Jones stayed quiet while the officer was driving. Uh, he drove past each crime scene on purpose, and then he even passed the courthouse and the jail cell where he was supposed to go. So, uh -huh. so as Leroy would ask, where are we going? Nobody responded to him. As he told them they had the wrong man, nobody responded. So what do you think, what do you think happens if you don't give someone that's craving attention no attention? They start to seek it somewhere else or they start acting. Mm. They snap. True, both are start right. Confessing there you I'm go. I'm going to start confessing. You're right. Matt, got it. Yeah. He, with, he's a psychopath. So the fact that the cops were just taking him in nonchalantly, they were driving past places where he committed murders or, or things like that, it was getting to his ego, and he had to say something. He wanted to know what they had, and mm -hmm. he couldn't hold it in, so he gave them the all the, you know, they started listening to him once he started to open up. He said, um, so so that's what's exactly happened. He started to say what he did to one of the ones in Union County, the first one, which would then get uh -huh. the the, uh, the poor man off of uh, the 25-year uh, jail sentence. And he said that the first one was always the easiest and the hardest at the same time. He said that he used his belt for all four. They asked about the dog from Miss Paris, Nancy Paris, that was, you know, where did, where did it go? He said that he choked it after he strangled the woman. He said, however, on Nancy, the 14-year-old, he went back seven or eight times after she was dead to have sex with her. After? Oh. Yep, yep. So police were incredibly shocked because that they have never heard of anything prior to that. You know. Isn't that what, necro necrophilia? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And he... He killed the other women similar with a with a belt, just tied tied them up, raped them, and left them there for dead. And here's the the the, the worst part of all, though. 
at the funeral for the 14 year old he was there remember i said all the community was there from different areas uh-huh he was actually there wow and get this he consoled the mother and sister and told them if there's anything you need just give me a call and left his business card wow yep but you know what he was psychopath he probably that the at in the daytime that, that sounds familiar to me it was well, probably a movie we saw in the daytime he was uh mr leroy but at night he was the criminal yep he was a bad guy very bad guy so subconsciously he probably really felt like genuine in the daytime what no that is not no no no, no, no. i'm not i'm no i'm saying to him to him he probably did i'm not saying it's it's true but i'm saying to him he probably felt like hey you know uh, i'm here to help but then like nighttime you know he probably did turn into a this is the, not fiona from shrek hey he doesn't turn hey into fiona hey type. let me let me <laughs> say what i have to say <laughs> he's like come on woman <laughs> how, how can he just because it's day feel like at heart consoling someone knowing he killed their daughter maybe he's bipolar i'm here to help you if you need anything yeah. and then it's like i killed her and then i went hey. back and raped her I... after she was dead eight times that's just that's sick. disgusting that's just sick yeah uh, that's just pure sick that's zero conscience talking about a 14 year old mm -hmm. that's sick like i said i don't i'm not saying oh. that and the problem is with a 14 year old they would find out that she was on her way to a friend's house she wasn't running running away she just happened to be on a dirt road and he scooped her up and he scooped up the other woman um that was walking away from her husband with a dog because of the argument she was walking down a road scooped her up and then the one in the other county the same thing she just happened to be walking back from the store scooped her up so um, and then she, he scooped up Opal. Yep, and he got Opal just walking to the bus stop. So wow. um, the com the community obviously with something like this, it took a long time to recover. However, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but with the integration and then some, you know, bigots still raising hell every now and then, the good relationship that had been started because of the tragedy would soon fade over time, and it would go back to a more, you know, for the next few years still. A, uh, uh, you know, you have that sort of racial bias, and you have the the division. Even though people don't want to admit to it, there still was a there was trouble after that. But uh, for for a moment, and for a little while after what happened with, and during the tragedy of Opal, at least brought the community together in, in uh, ways it had never seen before. So that was that was a good the only good part that came out of that particular part of the story. Um, so. Um, you know, Leroy was convicted just a month later. <laughs> they worked fast over there. Um, he was sentenced to death, obviously, for four, oh, absolutely. For four murders. Yeah. And while he was awaiting his execution day, which actually his execution was going to be the very following year, but he would not make it there. Um, he was stabbed to death in a, in a really, you know, low-level part of the jail cell in general population by a inmate who had a minor disagreement with him he was stabbed 10 times and died at the hospital or not died at the uh jail cell 
Good. Good. Yep. So he died just uh, five years after being convicted. So Great justice. Yep, pretty much. So that was the story of Leroy and Gaffney. The murder of four people, unfortunately. Freaking bastard. Yep, so Sleepy Town Sleepy Town Terror was actually this, the title of the story. What do you, what are you guys' thoughts on it? First of all, my thought on it is the guy is sick. Mm-hmm. Anybody that has sex with a dead person, something's really wrong with you. I agree. Like you need help on another level. <laughs> no, it all starts with the pedophileness. Yeah. Anybody who wants to rape a minor, a child, that too. needs major help. Yeah, yeah. no, that's th- that too. But I feel like you're having sex with a dead person. Like, something, something's not registering right there. Something's not registering right there. Yeah, I mean, it, it like, was all bad on so many levels. And, uh, you know, the fact that there was four murders... And again, again, you could you could attribute this to just people, a small town, spread mm-hmm. out, a bad, terrible police uh, agency. Terrible. Yeah, and then uh, just a guy running buckshot who didn't fit the pervy type person. He didn't fit the you know if they would have looked into his records or just they had records on everyone how they do now, they could have seen him right off the bat. Oh, this is a registered yeah. sex offender. But back then you didn't have that. Yeah, that's true. So. I mean, it just a lot of things were not in favor of those poor four women that lost their lives. So that's true. That's true. A lot of things, a lot of good, but not a lot of good. The ending was good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of bad, you know, like you said, policing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish those guys would have followed and got out the car and tried. I understand they didn't have a weapon on them, so I ain't gonna get. I ain't gonna be too hard on them. Mm-hmm. But um, you could use your car as a weapon. I mean, but that is you know, true. Not saying they could have saved her. Who knows? But to be that close, yeah, to be that close, and you never know. That would eat me up. Like, man, oh yeah, who, who knows? I, I could. I could not live after that. To think, what if she was alive? She was moving in that trunk. Yep. And I was there. I could have saved her, but I didn't. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. I don't know how you get uh, how you sleep at night after that, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, it's just it's just terrible how some a lot of times in these stories, like either the ones you guys have done, or the ones I've done, like there's parts where there's one one or two incidents where they could have been caught had the police yep. did something right or someone said something, but they were allowed to move on some way and it just got worse. Yep. So this is another one where just if maybe someone, like you said, they, they might have been able to save her. She could have been alive at that time. Yeah, yeah. Smart smart tactic by ignoring him when he picked him up to get the confession from him. Mm-hmm. And you can never run away from street justice. Yeah, I'm glad, he, I'm, I'm glad he, he got shanked it. up. That mm-hmm. was good. I mean, I don't condone, uh, you know, I don't, I don't advocate violence, but when things happen like that, hey. I know it's not enough, but he got, he got, he was going to get death anyway. Yeah. So he got, got what he deserved. And I have a feeling because I look. like that should get an eye for an eye. Absolutely. He got an eye for an eye. He no, got... he didn't. An eye for an eye would have been, he would get raped. Oh. 
He would get choked to death. That would be an eye for an eye. You want him to be tortured. Yeah, I want him to feel what he made those people feel. Yep. See, that's a... Uh, <laughs> that's Gabby with a castration uh, gavel right there. Castration! That guy should have used that knife better. Yeah, he should have. Well, who knows? He probably did. <laughs> well, the, the rumor the rumor was, but they don't know for sure, and it's never been released, but they it always says minor, uh, I guess, disagreement. But the rumor was that the guy who stabbed him did not like pedophiles or people that touch kids, and that's why oh, he yeah. was stabbed. So, but the that usually, that usually fly in, in jail. Yeah, like once yeah. they find out, yeah, yeah. But that's never been publicly said. But that's the rumor. So yeah, I well, believe it. I believe it. They probably just don't want to put it out there. Probably, probably. and probably for that time it was kind of frowned upon. But if you're gonna, yeah. if you're gonna say a guy, you know, raped a. 14 year old eight times i don't know why you just can't say yeah he was a pedophile and they, they killed him for that but whatever yep. i agree yeah but that's our story for this week man good one todd thank you sir good one and uh maybe, maybe next week we're we're gonna do the one you were telling me about yeah yeah that was my bad i, I, I oh okay all right, all right no that was my bad that was my bad i didn't check in with you to uh, confirm it so but but um this was a good story Top of the top of the dome for me. I'd never heard anything about this one, so this was a really good story, and uh, we thank you for uh, narrating this for us, sir. Thank you, sir, and thank you, Gabby, for your guys' input. Thank you. Absolutely. So before we sign off, I want to let you guys know where you can find us: iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram. Look up Grinding True Crime Podcast, and you will find us. By the way, before I go, I want to give a shout out to all the people listening out of the country that listen to us. Thank you so much for support. Uh, me and Todd looked up uh, the, the um, viewers, that are, the traction we get from out the country, and we get a lot of people listening from, especially in a European country. So thank you for listening to us, and we and, appreciate and, it. And down under as well. Australia is starting to really like us, so we appreciate you guys. Appreciate it. Much love. Mm-hmm. Nights. <laughs> uh, with okay. that being said don't offend him not, huh? don't offend him we just got him hey hey no, I, <laughs> thank you mate <laughs> well actually you are German alright you're German so. well yeah they, they get a mixture of people that went down there but yeah man so that's pretty cool but uh but yeah this is your boy Maddie Matt along with our narrator Todd Fox and all the hustle of the show Gabby Gabby and we are signing off you know. later <laughs> <laughs>